Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast to help us weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity uh, to use this platform, to use this uh, opportunity to spread uh, the Word of God to others. I thank you for listening. I appreciate so much uh, the the kind words that everyone has given to me. Uh, I know that several have listened to the first episode, and and the second episode went live uh, today. I also sent out requests to Apple Podcasts, to Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And so waiting to hear back from them, but uh, hopefully that will work out so this can be accessible. Uh, But again, I want to say thank you to everyone who has uh, liked it, who has subscribed, who has listened, and the kind words that you have given me. In episode two, last episode, we discussed the storm of fatigue and what it means to be tired. We looked at Jesus and how he weathered the storm in hopes that it will help us to weather our storm of fatigue when it comes our way. But today we want to think about the storm of temptation. How do we weather the storm of temptation? You know, as human beings, we are all tempted. In fact, the Bible teaches that we are all tempted. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And so for one to sin, a temptation must take place first. As we notice how sin entered the world, in Genesis chapter 3 is where it's recorded, we see Eve giving in to temptation. Of course, Satan, in the form of a serpent, said, You shall not surely die, even when Jesus said, You will. But she was tempted. She gave in to that temptation. She gave to Adam. He gave in to that temptation. Thus sin entered the world. When we think about temptation, it's important to understand what that word means. And the word temptation carries the idea of allurement or enticement, being enticed. And when I hear the word temptation, I think about fishing. I don't know about you, but but I love to fish. Growing up, it was one of my favorite things to do. Go to different spots, and, and I'm from north northwest Georgia, and so there were a lot of different uh, little places to go. And I always loved going fishing. Well, when you think about fishing, what's the point? Well, obviously, uh, you want to catch fish, but how do you go about doing that? You are putting on a lure. You are putting on something that's going to look enticing. And you want to dangle that in front of the fish. And so your hope says that fish will see it, and he won't be able to stand it anymore. He'll take it, and once he takes it, you can set the hook, you can reel it in, and you can catch a fish. Well, that's really how Satan works, isn't it? Through his influence today. There are temptations all around us. It's as if Satan has put a buffet out And said, here is everything your hearts desire. Won't you just take it? Why don't you just taste it? Why not just touch it? And so it's so accessible today, especially in this world of social media. Uh, You're one click away from going down a a very bad, uh, a dark hole. You're one click away from looking at something you shouldn't or listening to something that you shouldn't. And so Satan, through his influence today, makes sin very accessible. And temptation is all around us. And so how do we weather that storm? How do we get around this temptation? When you go to the scriptures, you think about those who were tempted. Uh, You think about those who were able to withstand temptation. I think about Joseph. The other night, my son Jackson and I, and he's four years old, uh, and he has a heart for God already. And I'm learning so much from him every day. And the other day, he wanted to watch Joseph, uh, The Coat of Many Colors, the movie that came out in the year 2000. And so we sat down and, and I was only going to watch a few minutes, but I got into it 
And we both stayed up and watched that whole thing. And I just kept noticing with Joseph, he constantly had to deal with temptation. He constantly had to deal with his brothers talking bad about him. He constantly had to deal with uh, the fact that he was favored by his father. It really wasn't his fault. But everyone, especially his brothers, looked down on him for it. Well, then he's taken to Egypt. And what happens? Well, now he has to uh, be a slave in Potiphar's house. And then what ha- Well, then his wife, Potiphar's wife, comes after him. And the Bible says that it wasn't just a one-time deal. You know, she was constantly trying to entice Joseph to sleep with her. And so again, that's the nature of temptation. That's how temptation works. Temptation is relentless. Temptation wants to keep on coming, if we can personify uh, temptation in this way. Joseph was tempted, but I love his response. How can I give in to this temptation? How can I do this and sin against God? Joseph was able to weather the storm of temptation. But then we read about David. Of course, we know David's a man after God's own heart, but it wasn't because he was sinlessly perfect. David was a man after God's own heart because he knew how to handle his sin. He handled sin God's way. You read Psalm 51, for example, and you see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, The way that David was accountable, the way that he was humbled by it, and the way that he was able to seek forgiveness, uh, and God, of course, was able to grant it. But as you think about David, he was tempted but he gave in to that temptation. He wasn't able to weather the storm when it came to the temptation of the lust of the eyes, specifically. You know, David should have been on the battlefield, but instead he was at home. He saw Bathsheba, who was married to Uriah the Hittite. He saw her, he was enticed by that, and he gave in to that temptation, and that led to sin. Well, of course, that didn't just lead to that sin, it led to several others. It led to him uh, calling for the murder of Uriah, trying to cover that up. And so we see then how temptation is relentless and how even the faithful children of God throughout the sands of time have had to weather this storm of temptation. But friends, I, w- I want to, to say this, and I hope that uh, you'll remember this if you don't remember anything else. Being tempted is not a sin. Being tempted is not a sin. Giving into temptation is is a sin, and there's a difference. If if being tempted was a sin, that would mean Jesus sinned, because Jesus was tempted, Matthew chapter 4, but Jesus did not give in to sin. So being tempted is not sinful, giving in to it is. We have this explanation in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, James says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither does he tempt any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished or full grown, brings forth death. There we see the progression of temptation. Someone is enticed, they're drawn away of their own lust. That leads to sin, and then that sin leads to death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And so again, I want to emphasize that. Being tempted is not a sin. Giving in to the temptation is when the sin occurs. You know, we read in 1 Peter 5.8, a very familiar passage, uh, that Satan is our adversary. He's like a roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. But then what about 1 Peter 5.9? Peter says, Whom therefore you resist steadfast in the faith, 
So we can resist temptation. We don't have to give in. And we're going to notice that uh, in just a few moments as we look to James chapter 4. But now that we know what temptation is and we know that it is a storm that we all must weather, we all must go through it, how do we weather the storm of temptation? Last episode, when we discussed weathering the storm of fatigue, I gave you three words. Look unto Jesus. Well, friends, the same formula is prevalent here. If we want to weather the storm of temptation, we need to look unto Jesus. How did Jesus weather the storm of temptation? If you have your Bibles nearby, whether it's a hard copy or on your phone, I invite you to Matthew chapter 4. And in Matthew chapter 4, uh, we mentioned this last episode, Jesus was tempted 40 days in the desert. He's tempted 40 days in the desert. And it's very interesting as you think about the nature of temptation. From the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation, there are three areas in which we are all tempted. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what we read in 1 John 2 and verse 16. I want to go back to Eve for a moment. Eve was tempted in all three of these ways. Think about it. The lust of the flesh. Here is an opportunity for her to eat this fruit. The lust of the eyes. The fruit looked good to make one wise. And then the pride of life. Satan said, you'll be like God if you eat that. And so we see all three of those ways is how she was tempted. Well, when we think about Jesus in the desert, he was tempted in all three of those ways as well. And that's what I want to show you today as we go through Matthew chapter 4. But it's important to remember that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4.15. In fact, we read in 1 Peter 2.22 that he did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, we read that he was without sin. And so Jesus then is our perfect example because he was literally able to weather the storm of temptation, never giving in to it. None of us can say that. Again, Romans 3.23, all have sinned, which means all have given in to temptation at some point or another, but Jesus never did. Jesus never gave in to temptation, therefore he is our perfect example, and we are to look to him. I mentioned to you that Eve was tempted in all three of these ways, that, that we are tempted in one, if not all three of those ways, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, but Jesus was as well. In Matthew chapter 4, I want you to notice that when Satan came to him, he first tempted him with the lust of the flesh. Turn these stones into bread. Satan knows how to hit us when we're weak, doesn't he? He knows our weakness. He knows our weak point. Now, of course, I'm not going to give Satan any more power than God does and than the, the Bible does. Sometimes we want to give Satan more ability and more power than we give to God. But God doesn't work miraculously today, miraculously today neither does Satan. That's important to remember. Satan works today through his influence. And in that sense, he is very, very prevalent as the God of this world. But he knows how to hit you when you're down and when you're weak. Jesus is in the desert, 40 days. Now, it's interesting to note that in Matthew chapter 3, we see Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. So he is at his highest point spiritually, but his lowest point physically. Satan knows that. And so he attacks him in that area. Turn these stones into bread. What a temptation that must have been for Jesus. 
I mentioned last episode that if I go 40 minutes without eating or snacking, uh, you know, I get a little upset. Now, of course, 40 minutes is, is pretty extreme. It's more like 40 hours. Uh, but you know what I mean when I say that. You know, you go an extended period of time without food, you, you might get a little upset. Uh, the word we use today is hangry. Uh, and that's a very real thing. But imagine 40 days. 40 days, 40 nights with no food. And the first temptation you have is to turn these stones into bread. Could Jesus, was he, was he able to turn those stones into bread? Well, of course. Jesus created the world. Uh, John 1, 1 through 5, Colossians chapter 1, we read that Jesus is the creator. God the Father, of course, uh, is the one who designed the plan, but God the Son is the one who executed the plan. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus could have very easily turned those stones into bread, but He was weathering the storm of temptation. And, and then you go to verses 5 through 6. Now we see Satan tempting him in another way. Here we have the lust of the eyes. You think about what Satan told him to do. Go up into the pinnacle of the temple. Go up into the pinnacle of Jerusalem and look around. You see all these things? Look at all these things that you can have. Friends, doesn't the same thing happening today? We see our neighbor with a new truck. We see our neighbor with a new TV. We see them with whatever the case may be. And what happens? There's a temptation to say, ooh, I need that too. I want to be like that. Satan knows that the lust of the eyes is a very, very powerful temptation. And so with Jesus, that's exactly what he did. Look at all these things that you can have. And so Jesus was tempted then by the lust of the flesh, by the lust of the eyes. And then finally, in verses 8 and 9, He's tempted by the pride of life. You know, I think it's interesting in Luke chapter 4, in his account of this, he says he took him up and he, he showed him the kingdoms in a moment of time. Have you ever thought about that phrase, in a moment of time? It may have been the case that he was able to show him the Roman Empire and all its glory. Maybe he was even able to show him the United States of America. Here it's a moment of time. You think of all the kingdoms in the world in a moment of time. It, it's a, it's a, almost a, a presentation before Jesus. You can have all of these things. Of course, Jesus is king of, the King of kings, Lord of lords. His kingdom is not of this world, John 18, 36. He's much higher than any kingdom that man could ever establish. But Satan wanted to try to tempt him with the pride of life. Now that we have noticed that temptation comes in one, if not all three of these ways, we look to Jesus. How did he overcome it? Notice these three words. It is written. It is written. It is written. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 7. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10. How did Jesus overcome temptation? By quoting the word of God. How can we overcome temptation today? By hiding the word of God in our heart. Psalm 119.11 Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against you. Friends, if we want to weather the storm, we have to spend time in the word of God. And it's not enough just to read it. We have to apply it and put it into our daily lives as we practice true Christianity. As we bring this episode to a close today, I want to leave you with two thoughts. How we can overcome and how we can weather the storm of temptation. Number one, meditate. Think about the blessed man in Psalm 1. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. If we want to overcome temptation, let's make sure we're spending time not only reading and studying God's Word, but meditating on it, thinking about it. And that will help us to fight temptation. And so we need to meditate, but here's another thought. Gravitate. In James chapter 4 and verse 7, we read that if we will flee from the devil, he will flee from us. But if we will submit unto God, then he will be there for us. That's what we find in verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near unto you. Today we've discussed the storm of temptation, that it's something that we all must face. But friends, we can overcome it by looking to Jesus, by looking to his example, his perfect example. We can fight temptation, and we can live holy, righteous, godly lives in the presence of our Savior. I hope that today's episode has encouraged you in some way to weather the storm. Thank you so much for listening, and may God bless you.